soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brand, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. And as we come to chapter 20, we now come to the latter end of the wilderness wandering. And so after getting the review of the laws of purification through the ashes of the red heifer, which was pretty interesting, actually, for us to say that on Tuesday, we come to chapter 20 and my Bible has titles over things. And it says Moses's heir at Kadesh. And it's a very famous story of Moses and an error he made on the latter part of his life, the last few years of his life with striking the rock. And many of you are familiar with this story, but if you're not, we'll certainly will be after tonight. So as we come into chapter 20, we're just in the last few years of that 40-year wilderness wandering, close to the finish line. Most of the people over 20 that were rejected by the Lord have died in the wilderness. There's a future generation that has grown up in the wilderness, everyone under 20, and there's people being born. And we talked about the two parallel lines of the wheat and the tare at the same time, like Jesus said in the church, people that are going to enter in through faith and people that are dying because of their unbelief. And that journey's almost done and on the cusp of the promised land and just a few years away from entering in under the leadership of Joshua. So as we come into that timeline, we read this in verse one. Then the children of Israel, the whole congregation, came into the wilderness of Zin in the first month. And the people stayed in Kadesh and Miriam died there and was buried there. Now there was no water for the congregation, so they gathered together against Moses and Aaron. And the people contended with Moses and spoke, saying, If only we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Why have you brought up the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our animals should die here? And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? It is not a place of grain or figs or vines or pomegranates, nor is there any water to drink. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod. And water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I am giving to them. This was the water of Meribah because the children of Israel contended with the Lord and he was hallowed among them. Now, after this text, Edom, the Edomites, the descendants of Esau, refused to let Israel go through their land for passage, moving toward the promised land of modern Israel from the right side of the Jordan River, coming up the back way of the Sinai. And so that was difficult. 
And then right after that, the Lord says it's time for Aaron to die. And he calls Moses and Aaron to go up a mountain. And because Aaron's a high priest, again, that's Moses' older brother, they go up the mountain. And the Lord tells Moses to strip the high priest's garments off of Aaron and to put them on his son Eliezer. So that would be Moses' nephew. And they do that. And so we read at the end of this chapter that thus Aaron died and Moses came down the mountain with Eliezer the new high priest, son of Aaron, and they were again gathered together at the bottom of the mountain. This chapter has a lot of death in it. And it's worth noting, because I think context is very important in this story of understanding Moses, what's going on. Moses lives 120 years total time, and he's in the back three years of his life. He's in the very end. He's in independent living, maybe assisted living, Not memory care, because he's functioning at full capacity with the Lord. But he's at the very, very end, essentially, of his journey. Proportionally, percentage-wise, of the overall time of his life, he's on the very back end. And we've been thinking a lot about this and talking a lot about this, even with this year and the COVID restrictions and how it's affected the elderly who are in care, whether it's memory care or assisted living, independent living. It's been very difficult. And we know from the human experience, and if you study the Bible well, you know that especially with the kings, almost 40 of them in the history of Israel and the northern kingdom in Judah, we tend to get worse as we get older, not better. That's the record of the kings. Like the great kings did great things when they're younger, but almost all of them do foolish things to get older. And it's easy for us to unravel and be less spiritual and more carnal on the back end of our life than otherwise. All you have to do to be carnal and implode on yourself is to not grow in the Lord. If you just wake up and exist, you'll go toward the rut of son of Adam, daughter of Eve, be selfish, and who you are and what you are will be revealed down the stretch. And you can't change that. It's too late to change it. That's why I keep saying, now is the time to grow, to humble, to abase ourselves so we don't make our worst decisions and have our worst moments in the last three years like Moses did right here. And so it's really important to just even consider what happened with Moses overall on this topic and the death surrounding him. The end of the journey can be very difficult, and I'm realizing that right now with my life, having buried my mom just less than a year ago, December 29th, she died before my eyes, having brought my father-in-law up here for assisted living in February, my dad up here for assisted living in March, my father-in-law dying in August, and today bringing my dad home to live with us on December 12th the end of the COVID, like, we're done. We're done with that whole stuff. And dad's come home, and so we appreciate your prayers as he calibrates, like, you know, being in the living room. And I got to tell you this classic story. He's watching Wisconsin football today. My dad grew up in Madison, and he grew up a Badger. He graduated from UW, Wisconsin. And so he's on our couch with all the Christmas decorations, his Christmas stocking. He's super happy. He knows our house. And we just got this thing where he could watch the TV and all this. And so he's watching the, and it started to do snow flurries. And he fell asleep on the couch. And I took a nap and he took a nap because we're, we're all taking naps at 60, right? So, but I wake up, I come out, and the, the light flurries turned to a full-on major snowstorm at the Wisconsin game against Iowa. My dad's like, he's like, yeah, Joe, I, I fell asleep and it was flurries and I woke up, it was a blizzard. And I was like, where am I? <laughs> Pop, you're in our house. That's my room down there. That's your room on the left. Your room's on the left. The bathroom's on the right, Okay. <laughs> Do you need help? And 
I praise the Lord for what he's been teaching me the last four years with the elderly and taking care of our parents and even being prepared for myself moving toward that. We put in the shower handlebars, you know, uh, for the walk-in shower and outside the door. And I thought, you know, this is a good investment because I can see how this is just going to, you know, this is not just a one and done kind of thing. This, this works for the long haul. But in that context of my own life and just, you know, we got to laugh at ourselves and we have to enjoy the journey. We have to really get the context of Moses here. His sister died. That's, I think verse one is very important in this chapter. Before he has his worst moment, he has the emotion of losing his older sister. I have a younger sister and an older brother. Some of you have adult siblings. Some of you have buried loved ones that are siblings. We know that. And you know, the relationships, no matter what they are when they're younger, when you're growing up with your siblings, they get different as you get older. And we know that. And the older you get, like when you're all in your 30s or all in your 40s or all in your 50s, it just kind of, it can be good, bad, and ugly. But Miriam was a prophetess and Aaron was a high priest and Moses was the lawgiver. This was their family. So this chapter starts with his sister dying and we don't read anything other than just that she passed. So we think of the grief that Moses would have felt. His parents are long gone. Who knows about his first wife or even his second wife at this point? There's no details. What my dad pointed out to me a couple of years ago is, Joe, when you reach 90, you outlive most of your peer group. So your generation's gone, and what you know is the younger generation behind you. But almost everyone you grew up with is gone. And my dad's last good friend was Joe, uh, Bob Tremel, who uh, was at Iwo Jima. He was a veteran of Iwo Jima, major combat veteran from Iwo Jima, World War II veteran. They always celebrated Marine Corps birthday together, and then Veterans Day right after that. Bob Tremel died in the spring of this year. I had to tell my dad that. That was my last friend, that my, the last friend that my dad really had. All the cousins are gone. All the aunts are gone. And now he's home with us. And Zippy and Belzy, the great grandkids, were there tonight. And, you know, it's, it's good. But when you lose the closest people to you that you love and they step into eternity, that's going to affect you. We're not designed for death. So I just, the context of Moses here burying Miriam is... We can't miss that. Oh, like, oh yeah, Miriam died. No, Miriam, his sister died, who followed him when he was in the, the basket going down the Nile River. That Miriam, who spoke to Pharaoh's daughter, that Moses' mom could nurse him. Like, this is Miriam. This is his older sister, and they had a century of a relationship. That Miriam. And then the last part of the chapter is Aaron dies. The Lord says Aaron's going to die. So we don't know the details of Miriam's death, but Aaron's death, it's like a terminal illness. Like, hey, you're going to die in a month, so put your house in order. That's what happened with Aaron. When God says to you, and he's been speaking to Aaron and Moses personally, Aaron's time has come because he's the high priest and you just got to know the future, you're going. So the bookends of the chapter is his sister dies and then his brother dies. That's important. He's rejected by Edom, the descendants of the distant relative of Uncle Esau. And here in the middle of this tapestry of events, this panoramic of events, we have on display what wouldn't seem to be Moses' worst moment, but because of what happened, it becomes his worst moment in what it was meant to show and what it did show contrary to that. So this is a very important story for us, but I just frame it with grief because even the people who contend with Moses said, we should have died here and we should have died there and now we're all going to die and our animals are going to die because of you. See, it's all death. 
It'd be, it'd, it would do the United States of America really good if every person woke up tomorrow that's an American citizen and said, I'm going to die. And look at their life through the optic that this is temporal. And take a deep breath and realize we are all moving toward eternity. Now, most of us here think about eternity. Most of us here are excited about eternity. This is a chapter with a lot of, a lot of, a lot of dying in it and fear of dying. We should have died here, and we, now we're going to die there. It's just it's one of those chapters. In this chapter, we have a testing, a great testing. It is a time of testing for the people, the younger people who are now older but have the chance to enter in. It's a time of testing for Moses and Aaron. That becomes clear through what happened in the text as we read it. It's a time of testing. In 1 Corinthians, we get additional interpretation of this text that really helps us from the Holy Spirit. We are told in 1 Corinthians that the rock represents Christ. Now, at the beginning of their journey, they didn't have water when they came out of Egypt. And if you recall, God said to strike the rock and the water came forth. So they murmured against the Lord then at the beginning of the journey and God struck the rock through Moses and water came forth and met their needs. So they had a historical example now, God is faithful whether you have the example or not. His, he's true to his character, like the songs we were singing tonight. But they themselves had an example in this journey of the rock bringing forth water. So whenever you come anywhere in the journey for the rest of the journey, you can say, we don't have water. Well, how are we going to get the water? Well, remember when God, when Moses struck the rock, we got water. Like God's able to meet our needs. He's given us manna every day, and he can give us water from a rock. That's what they should have known. So in other words, to trust in the Lord in this time of testing, all they had to do was reference his faithfulness in the past. The testing of the present for the purpose of the future for passing would just be based upon trusting in him from his faithfulness in the past. That's all they had to do. But they didn't do it. So 1 Corinthians tells us that that rock is Christ. And Jesus, we know there in the gospel, John said, come to me at that feast, come to me. And for the person that comes to me from there, from them will overflow rivers of torrents of living water. And this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit. So there's definitely a symbolism with Christ being the rock and the water, the Holy Spirit, because the New Testament gives us that interpretation. So in the Old Testament here, in this water, and there's the physical reality, this rock, inanimate matter, is going to bring forth water. And since the rock represents Christ, and since Jesus said that torrents of living water coming from him represents the Holy Spirit, that torrents of living water has a spiritual element to it representing the Holy Spirit. That's a, a strong, safe interpretation of Scripture interpreting Scripture. Thus, Moses was told to speak to the rock, not strike the rock, which we'll get to in just a moment. So it's a time of testing. It's a time of emotional vulnerability. Also, in this passage, we saw clear instruction. We see actions and consequences. Divine instruction, human actions, and consequences. More for Moses and Aaron than even the people who were rebels. It is ironic, too, because in this chapter, we had the whole chapter like Tuesday night, Moses calls the people rebels. You rebels. And maybe he's grieving over his sister. We don't know. But to whom much is given, much is required. And there's a higher standard for Moses because he's representing the Lord in the gospel right here. And he calls them rebels. And it's interesting because later on in the chapter, when God says you're not going to the promised land, he says, because you rebelled against my word. 
So an irony of this context is Moses accused them of being rebels when in the very moment he accused them of being rebels, God would say later on, you were rebelling against me and my word. And isn't that a whole other study that so often what we accuse other people of, we can be guilty of most? It's been said we most recognize our sins in other people. And it's, a, it's an interesting detail to the story that Moses calls them rebels and is so frustrated with them. And then God says, but you rebelled against me at that very moment. Which just reminds us we need to be very careful <laughs> what we're saying and who we're directing it toward and the spirit by which we direct it. We need to let God be God and we need to be who we need to be, which is the main thrust of where we're going with the message tonight. It's a time of testing. I draw your attention to verse 2. There was no water. There was no water. No water will test you, won't it? No water will test you. When your basic needs seem like they're not being met by the Lord, that will test you. But really, since most of us have our basic needs met by the Lord, and even the homeless in Southern California tend to live much better than a lot of people who have huts in other parts of the world, what really tests us, I believe, as believers in Southern California or believers in America, it's a testing of what we lack, what's missing. And what we most have a hard time with from the Lord is when we have something and then we lose it. In other words, we had water, we don't have water. We had a house, we don't have a house. We had a job, we don't have a job. I had a scholarship, I don't have a scholarship. This person and I were together, we're not together. This person I love is gone and they won't be with us for the holidays. They're in eternity. I have found in the human experience, especially as a pastor, how we handle loss of what is not there for us that maybe previously was or what we would like to be there for us that God's never given us reveals a lot about us. And it's a test. This is a test for the people. But it's a test for Moses and Aaron as well. There was no water. 2020 has been a year of loss for a lot of people. Even recently, we've heard of another congregant in the church who's lost their job. People have lost their income. People have lost the fullness of their income. In all the craziness and the diversity of various government-imposed regulations... There has been tremendous loss for a lot of people. I I read that over 100,000 small businesses have gone out of business in 2020. We have no idea what this is going to affect us and look like for our economy in 2021. We just have no idea. It's like we're still in a hurricane. And if you've ever been in a hurricane, and I have a couple of them, we're still in the hurricane. We haven't walked outside yet. You don't really know how extensive the damage of a hurricane is until it's all gone and you go outside and you say, well, the bridge is gone. The roofs are gone. This is gone. Like, we don't even know. And as much as we've gained a lot spiritually, clarity, purpose, vision, simplicity, I hope we've gained those things, a closer walk with the Lord, we'll get to that in a moment. 2020 has been a year of loss. It's been a loss of freedoms. It's been a loss of common sense. It's been a loss of the marketplace of thought and competing ideas where you can actually just talk about different ideas and compare ideas. Because there's only two ways to govern, right? Two ways to govern. Good ideas that the majority uh, agree with and they let them govern them, or govern by force. This is human history. Good ideas are governed by force, and we've lost that place where we can govern with good ideas 
and the market. We've lost the marketplace of thought. We've lost reason. Good has become evil, and evil's become good. And we've watched it happen before our eyes. It happened gradually for the, since 2000, and even before then. Remember in the 80s? I don't believe the liberal media bumper sticker. <laughs> How old school? I don't believe the liberal media bumper sticker, 1988. That is so old school. Because if you say anything that the globalists don't agree with, you're censored and you're shut down. There's a loss of freedom of speech. There has been a, a, a massive attempt for a loss of freedom of religion in this country in the name of COVID restrictions. Fortunately, the courts are standing for the churches and other houses of worship, if you will. But it's been a year of loss. We have, we have had a lot of emotion watching loss of common sense, loss of critical thinking, loss of income, loss of ideas, loss of equal access to even compare ideas in a college campus, loss of truth. It's been a hard year for all of us. And again, for some of us, it's reduced to like the owner of Slapfish restaurants just saying, you know what? I tried. I invested all this money to buy these outdoor things. And you know what? We just got to do what we got to do. We got to stay open. We got to stay open. I don't know if you saw the video went like it's getting millions of views. He he basically said, this is insanity. It's madness. And we're watching this. So I think contextually we can all relate to like there's no water. So whatever you think that used to be there that you had or what you want that should be there is not there. Just say there's no water. It gives us context. We're in the wilderness right now and there's no water. How are we going to pay our bills? There's no government checks. Check looked good in April. I haven't seen any checks since. They all do. Everyone's, where's the government relief? We had a prayer request to go out this week for our congregation that if the state, you know, if this, these people in their businesses in Los Angeles County don't get a, tens of thousands of dollars of a grant from the government, they're, they're out of business within a month. There's no water. And the Lord has definitely tested all of us on the planet. He's tested us as American citizens, and he still is testing us. And he's testing his church. Now, our job isn't to pass the test for the United States of America and government. Our job is to pass the test for the person we see in the mirror and the people we love closest to us and as a church congregation. That's what we want to do. We want to pass the test. There's no water. And it affects us daily when we think about the impact of all that's gone on and where it's taking us. But it's a test. No water is a test. So when we think about this, as we come to the end of 2020, have we shifted from frustration to faith? Have we shifted from fear to faith? Are we confident for our future because of God's faithfulness in the past to our personal lives and to this church and to humanity? Or are we murmuring in the present because of the loss and that there's no water? Is the no water in our lives right now on December 12th bringing out our worst or is it bringing out our best? When there's a testing and there's things missing that have been taken, that will reveal what's in us. And I speak for myself. I could just be talking in the mirror right now to Pastor Joey. So just know I'm with all of you on this one. I should be on my knees teaching this study before you, not in this pulpit above you. I know this. I, we've all been through this. I've watched all these wonderful Calvary pastors navigate this last year, the ones that have social media, and you watch them go up and down. 
You watch them express frustration and exasperation just like you have felt in your own lives as no, you can't meet indoors. No, you can't even meet outside. No, 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 no water, no water, no water, no water, no water. Go home and quit. Roll over and die. I've watched people that I've respected in ministry for 33 years since I got the Harvest Book and went to all these churches to visit these great men. And I've watched them. And I've watched them have to grow before our eyes, even as you've had to watch me grow before your eyes, and I've had to watch you grow before your eyes. But we need to make sure when there's no water, it doesn't bring us to the place where we're contending against the Lord or that we're blaming the Lord or blaming spiritual leaders. I haven't really felt too many people blame me for anything around here. So thank you for that. <laughs> that means I've taught you properly. You're not looking unto Joey, the author and finisher of your faith. You're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. They gathered against Moses and Aaron. But really, it says there in verse 2 that the people gathered together and they contended with Moses. But verse 13, it says, they, because the children of Israel contended with the Lord. So they weren't really contending with Moses and Aaron. They're just visible representatives of the Lord. They're really contending against the Lord. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.